0: Presenting yourself, what are you doing now? What are your history in your job life?
1: Yeah, most of the initial start of my career was really focusing on being specialised. Okay. Uh, but rather quickly when I came out uh, into what industry, was your
0: speciality? Uh, it your was radio,
1: radio frequency electronics. Ah. Um, I then I then uh, got a job at uh, Copham Satcom, which is the former Trane and Trane in Lüngby, and. Uh, I quickly realized that yeah I I I, I do love all the stuff around uh, development and all the details but but I even more love that uh, to be part of the entire process from idea to 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 making uh, something uh, go into production. So quickly I sort of realized that, that is actually what I want to work with so I changed into project management at Copham and then later on program management um, Then after eight years at Cobham, they changed the complete structure. And there I was given the opportunity uh, to uh, hit up the entire electronics department. So we were coming from product groups, which had electronics, mechanics, software, basically all functions within each of the teams. Now we wanted to, to go to a matrix structure where we put all electronics into one team, software into one team, mechanics into one team, project management into one team. And there I was given the opportunity to, um, to head up the electronics part, mm-hmm. forming that department mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then figure out how do we, how do we work in a matrix organization in that company? Uh, so I was given 50 people at the time, uh, and they were basically just people on a list from all the different departments that had done So you had to merge
0: 50 people. Yeah.
1: Figure it. out how do I structure it, how, um, how do, I, uh, how do I find also the team leads that needs to be in between me and, and, and people who were doing the actual development, uh, day-to-day development? Uh, that, that was a tough one.
0: Was what, what, what was the biggest leadership challenge in that process?
1: Well, first of all, I had never had a direct management before. Uh, from zero I, to 50? Yeah, so from zero to 50, right? Wow. And I came directly uh, basically the day that it was announced that we wanted to make this change and I was going to head up the, the hardware de- department. Um, that was the day where I was defending my EMBA at DTU. Uh, so I was actually not part of my own announcement there, but, um, but then jumped directly from EMBA into, into this new role. And, uh, of course I had had a lot of indirect leadership. Uh, because I've been project manager for yeah. six years at that time, so I knew how to engage with people but but there is a difference in going into the direct management part uh, and especially when you then get you know you have a, a complete organization has just been changed everybody is with basically without any boss except me, and they don't know how will this structure be and what will mm. be the role for each of the different yeah. persons there. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges for me in the beginning uh, was to find team leads who would actually want to be team leads.
0: Why was that a challenge?
1: Because it's uh, a
0: career move.
1: Yeah, but, but many of the thi- because we came from these uh, product teams where uh, you might have three, four people within a given discipline, um, it was easy to find the most senior guy, point at him, and say, hey, you are the team lead of, of this small group. He would accept it just being a senior. He would accept it and say, okay, it's two or three people. I can be sort of team lead for, for that part. Mm. But now I came in and said, no, you need to be team lead for the entire discipline. And that might be 10 to 12 to 14 people. Yeah. And that was something where we didn't have the, I wouldn't say that we didn't have the uh, the talent. In, but it became in more
0: formalized. The it role. was
1: formal and And people didn't want to be, I mean, we didn't. We didn't have people who actually wanted to be managers. We had people who wanted to be technical people. Yes. So that was a big challenge. I I, I quickly found, uh, uh, fortunately, I quickly found two of the of the of the people that I wanted to make team leads, and they were brilliant at it. Um, But I had a I had a period where I had to double job in between being team lead for one of the teams and also be um, uh, the director for for the entire department. Mm -hmm. And and that was you know. Uh, it was tough for me, but I, I think it was even tougher for the team who had me as as the direct manager at that point. But it it sorted out uh, at some point, and I think if we talk about those challenges you have when you when you do something like that, suddenly I was also uh, I was also the manager of people who had been my manager at a point. So it took a couple of uh, those uh, I would call them tough discussions. Uh, they were all on board with it, but just making sure that expectations are aligned in between those people and me. Uh, that took a, a couple of long discussions on, on how do we do this, and 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 basically they were also very, you could say they were, were very interested in having uh, in showing leadership in general to everybody else because they they come from the same background. Uh, so we 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 quickly found. A very very good ground to stand on but for me going into the first discussions with those guys that was a a barrier to to overcome oh. but it was also fun
0: fun yeah. when you think about that process what what are the most important learning from a leadership perspective
1: I think that for me it, it is really to be open-minded okay. and, and 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 do not go in with too many um, uh, ideas on how you want to shape it, but go in and listen as the first part. So I I spent what a lot. What did of,
0: it call for f- from you to be able to do that?
1: Yeah, well, from a little bit coming from from a very technical background, coming yeah. from a lot of project management, I was used to being the one
0: yeah.
1: pointing in the direction, and with that the was, expertise. Yeah, both ex- expertise, but also just you know setting a direction. This is how we do it right exactly and of course i had some ideas on how we should do the new department how we should work together but but initially it was a lot of just listening to what do you think we need in this company now we know that we need to go to this uh, new organizational structure we might you might not like it i think there is some good things in it but you might not like it but if we are going if that is set if we cannot change that what would the we, what would then be the, the right thing to do uh, out of
0: that how come you are competent a competent facilitator what is it what personal competences are you using in that role
1: <clears throat> oh, that's a good question it is, yeah. <clears throat> uh, a t- tough question
0: yeah maybe there is well, no clear answer mm, but no well I,
1: I think for first of well you, you need to just listen right start off from listening figure out wh- what is it that actually concerns people yeah. um, and and then I I, I would say I typically also go into a discussion like that and then if if I can feel that the that the that the power difference is is big in between two parties that are then I typically take a little bit of the of the side of the of the less powerful uh, person or team and say how can we sort of back you up in, in getting yeah. this discussion flowing yeah. and then typically I would also address it with uh, with the other team just directly say uh, to them that we need to get this going so why are you pushing so hard or I mean yeah. just being direct in my in yeah. own communication yeah. yeah what is more motivating but I, I really think that that is that is going back to, back to more strategy mm-hmm. sounds right. like it is really going back to more strategy <laughs>
2: organizations, as you said, uh, Cobam B2B, banger Office, B2C, I'm wondering what's different in the competitive environment, what strikes you as very different when you compare these two environments?
1: So the external part is that we are much more reliant on, uh, in banger we are much more reliant on some specific launch windows um, that means, for instance, Christmas sales, we need to be ready for Christmas sales, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and those things are really driving how we build up our schedules for our projects and how much we drive towards these different things. Um, there's also this point that because it's, it's, it's a broadly used consumer product, a lot of internal people, they have an opinion about how that product should be, right? So that means that we have, I know that I'm going a little bit into the internals of it, but that, that also means that, that I wouldn't call them conflicts. They are healthy discussions, at least so far, but uh, we have a lot of opinions about how the product should be. Mm-hmm. Um, from, a, from a you could say external point of view, there is also this fact that it's a much higher volume that we mm-hmm. are producing at Bangal- Bangalore compared to Copham. And that, that bears some implications to how we develop, how we maintain our product portfolio, how we, uh, in in basics, well, how we structure ourselves in the company. Mm. Um, we are much more reliant on, you could say, the general economy. Mm-hmm. So we really feel when economy is going down, we also see that fluctuation much more in Bangalore than what we saw in Coburn. Of course, there would be uh, the same type of fluctuations, but it would it, at least to me it occurred to be much more stable in copper mm-hmm. uh, than it was in uh, mm-hmm. uh, that it, than what it is in
2: bang and Wilson Does that speak to the pace of innovation, what you are saying, or not? That mm. those fluctuations, mm. et cetera, because it's that if things are going up and down yeah. with the economy, then there is a maybe more risks of being out of. Uh, sync with let's say, whoever is the leader on a product yeah. category
1: I would, I would say that that um, that we, we feel competition much more. Mm. Uh, we are in a unique place from a Bangelsian point of view. We are in a unique place because we do something which is both design and, and
2: good sound. What I'm wondering is uh, coming back to how you manage the innovation, what are, what are the key elements? um of that innovation so there's roadmaps
1: now we have sort of a common space where we discuss the product roadmap Mm -hmm. so that's the the, i would say the most important first Mm -hmm. step the second step has then been to say okay now we know the product roadmap we have an idea about what should be out there sometimes it's just a title it's just we want a speaker in this category called this okay and then we start to work out but what should that speaker be and um and this is where technology roadmapping then comes in because we know that there are certain technologies that we need to be on par with. Also, well, both in terms of competition, but also just, again, a good example, Wi-Fi is moving. You know, every year you have a new type of Wi-Fi basically. And, and there are so many systems out there that we need to integrate up against. So we, we started to build these technology roadmaps where we said, if we just focus on, application processes. This is what we have today. This is the need of tomorrow and we want to go in this direction. Does it fit with software? And, and now that is a very mm-hmm. specific example because what I've seen both in Copham and also in Bangalore that is, we are a product company, but it is the majority of effort you put into a project nowadays is in the software part. So, so changing the dy- dynamics from, from hardware being the first people who sort of di- dictate what, what it should look like, it, it now becomes much more of a collaboration in the early phase to identify what hardware should we use to reduce the effort in software. Mm. So that is one of my biggest uh, focus points right now. We have just launched a, um, a project to look into how can we take the platform thinking to the next level we have had a a, a great platform so far uh, where it's the same processor that goes in in every one of our products now we need to also look at how can we take that further down to have all of our Mm -hmm. circuit boards basically look a little bit like lego bricks that you can put together in different configurations Mm -hmm. so that's that's probably the biggest i would say
2: project contribution that Mm i have come in with so there is some sort of modularity in that, yeah. And then where is the flexibility? Because I assume that when you have a product roadmap and a technology roadmap, if a major supplier is late, let's say on a new product, then all of a sudden you have to rejig things. Yeah. So uh, first of all,
1: I would say that that uh, um, this modularity that we have in a platform, in the platform thinking, we are we have a couple of design principles that we have applied. One is um, The technologies that move fast, we need to isolate them onto smaller Lego bricks, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? So that we can quickly spin on those things and then we have a common interface into the speaker. The second part is that we also need, we we basically want to, this platform that we are trying to, to, uh, to, to shape out needs to be able to grasp a small speaker all the way up to our high end flagship speakers, right? And um, that requires really some modularity in the functionality that you put in. So all the really expensive stuff for the, for the, uh, for the flagship, that is also something we try to isolate out, out because that is something we cannot allow into a smaller speaker that would simply be too costly. So yeah. those are the two things that we try to do there. And, this, and the third one is basically what I just said. It is making sure that what we do reduces the effort in software because the software team is a factor of four, bigger than the hardware team, maybe even more. This is
2: Last part of the environment and organization is the customer. This is a B2C, so people who work on the product have an experience of the product directly, may have opinions about the product, but you're really trying to serve definite customer needs. So how do you work with that to really understand what matters, what doesn't in customer needs, present and future?
1: It's a really good question. And I think, well, there's no clear way of doing this, but one one of the things that we do, we have of course a product management organization uh, behind our products. They have a, a board, so to speak, that they are set up in different areas of the world, where there are different dealers, a uh, dealer advisory board, we call it, they uh, they come into the discussion, we present the idea of a new product, and then we take in all the inputs that we get from these guys. Now, one of the challenges, and, and why I say that it's not you know straightforward to just say, hey, we just listen to what they have to say. They are very focused about what they have right now. So... When we start a new uh, product, uh, project, we are typically saying this is to be launched in one and a half Mm -hmm. to two years from now. Mm -hmm. And it needs to, that is very much the bang and awesome spirit. It needs to be something that we can have in field for 10, 15, 20 years, right? And and the dealer advisory board is often a little bit uh, too much focused around what is the need right now, what might be the need in half a year so we have to add a little bit of of our future perspectives to, to, to that input, but the input is a very, very good foundation for mm. at least checking that we are not doing something completely stupid.
2: So in influencing all those processes, roadmaps, decisions, how do you calibrate the ambition?
1: Yeah, that that that's the difficult part. Uh, and 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 that also comes a little bit back to right now. It's a little bit you know, stepping on the speeder, pushing the brake. It's a little bit, okay. Now we we take up speed. Now we break a little bit. So, in all of this with uh, with the product road mapping. Like many companies, I think we were too ambitious about the first roadmap that we did uh, almost a year ago, just when I came into the company. Uh, and now we have scaled it down a little bit, matured it, making sure that the products that we have on the roadmap is really the products that will drive increased revenues. Yeah. Um, but for sure, we were a little bit too ambitious. And that uh, that results in, you could say, it's difficult to prioritize. Wh- where If I have an organization that that is 10 p- uh, 10 persons and, and I can see that I have worked for 15 persons, how do we that so that is that has taken a little bit of a discussion if you will uh, Mm -hmm. in internally but I think we are coming close to something which is uh, both ambitious but also realistic
0: I noticed that he's a guy who he is looking for challenges he 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 wants to be challenged he wants to challenge um, I and I conclude that he like he likes complexity he's not afraid of complexity um, he likes to figure out what is needed now what is the necessary next step to, to create a result then i have this where i was thinking about his own self description it's a self picture he has from way back being a perfectionist Uh, okay fine but then you are a perfectionist who loves complexity and that you can already see that that might be some kind of a clash because If you're a perfectionist you might have a tendency to go for more linear process where you can uh, deliver the the big correct result. Um, But but what I see in Brian is that uh, he loves complexity and means that he is dealing with uncertainty. How does that connect with being a perfectionist? And I have actually a hypothesis. Um, He by Loving to create good results, and uh, being a per- some kind of a perfectionist, it end up with him delivering quality. It's a quality-driven guy, not a perfectionist. He wants to create the results, and he can manage and cope with com- with with uh, a complex complex situation that needs his awareness on. Uh, What's the clever next step? And that could be seen as being a perfectionist. I think that's an interesting uh, uh, perspective. Um, he delivered quality in a complex context rather than being a perfectionist. That's my claim. Um, um, maybe he is humble, but in a very elegant way because he's not... Um, humble in an elegant way as in in as opposite to being ego driven he is result driven it's not i deliver it is this is delivered and how can we deliver and but he's not pushing himself in front of it he is putting himself uh, into the process to create the results (laughs)